The Admissions Club was created as a soft place to land for students and families going through what can be a particularly stressful time in one's life, the college admissions journey. Hi, I'm your host, Elizabeth West. This podcast will feature inside information from my 10 years of college admissions experience and 25 years in higher education. Episodes are sprinkled with 80s nostalgia to connect with your students during that turbulent time we all experienced. We will learn together in fun and engaging conversations with guests who are key players in higher education and admissions, or they could be someone just like you going through the process of admissions. Whether you're a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, or a criminal, there's a spot for you in the admissions club. Okay, welcome back to the admissions club. This is our third episode of a three-part series talking about decisions. And we've saved the worst for last, best for last. The most exciting for last. (laughs) Jokingly, I I say that. I I don't want to be like, we saved the worst for last. But here I am with Dr. Chris Flowers, and we are talking about denials today. So, you know, Chris, I've been denied a million times from jobs, from and we're both writers. I mean, the rejection letters, I could have saved them. <laughs> they were a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just kind of a fact of life to a certain extent that you're not going to get everything you want or think you're going to get all the time. Um, and like you're saying, I, you know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I still write poetry and I've had some poetry published, but more often than not, I've had poetry rejected. And so, you know, there's a certain amount of kind of persistence tied to that, I think, just to try and work through some of those challenges. But again, it's just it's something that happens. It happens to everybody at one time or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Colleen and I were trying to write a children's book and we were trying to put that out and nobody took it. <laughs> we thought <laughs> we had crazy. the best idea. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, I, I also write creative nonfiction as well. And I tell you, like, it's it's hard out there as a writer. So all of this to say, we can really understand how these denials hit home. And what I want to tell students first and foremost, and you'll hear me say this over and over again, that it's really hard not to take a denial personally, but it is not personal. I remember from my years in admissions, the denials that we had were based on our institution's needs and wants. You know, they were budgetary. They were space issues. Um, Absolutely. When you look at housing, um, we had to make those decisions and deny people because of the space issue. Mm -hmm. And um, they're not necessarily, denials do not necessarily come into play whether or not you can be successful at their college. I think that you would need a crystal ball as an admissions officer to sort of determine that. And Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah. And I think sometimes in the admissions world, you know, people, the admissions officers and counselors might look at somebody's application and just think, you know, this person 
might not benefit from jumping right in right away. Maybe there's an alternative path to getting here. And that's something we'll talk about is the idea of reaching out to them to get a little bit of clarification about what you could do to put yourself in a better situation. So it's not meant to be personal at all. Um, like you said, it has to do oftentimes with numbers, that sort of thing. So uh, there are a lot of different ways to look at that and think about it. And certainly there are, I don't know if this is the right word, but there are workarounds, right? I mean, there are ways to kind of be a little bit patient and just know that it could come with time. Right. You know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> I'm going to get really cheesy here, but That's it's like, kind of like that um, Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. And I always think of that, I, whether or not you're religious or not or whatever. But I always think of that song when I think of denials, because there are times where you will not get what you want. But there are also times that it's just showing you a different direction that you need to take. Yeah, totally. See, I I know things. So anyway, so we're gonna- like Tyrion, right? <laughs> Pretty Game of Thrones fans that are listening to this, right? Exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, when we look at denials, I think that my major goal is to protect the student's heart and protect their mental health, because when you start getting those rejections, seemingly rejections, right, over and over again, you start taking it personally. And that can do a number on you. And we are not saying that denials are not brutal. They can be very brutal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's it, and it's coming at a time in your life where a lot of pivotal things are happening, right? Which makes it, it feels much more weighty than maybe it should initially, you know, when you kind of put things into perspective, because, you know, you're just on the cusp of finishing high school and the decision you make about college is going to determine a lot of things in the future. And so when you receive a denial... It just feels like in in some way, shape or form, your plans have been completely derailed. But that's not exactly the case. Right. I mean, there are a few ways to approach that and look at it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's really important to not suffer every denial. And and I'm going to explain that a little bit. So you have a list of colleges that you applied to. And when you work with us, we kind of ask you to rank those schools, right? So that I get an idea, what are your top three? And oh my goodness, if you get denied from your 10th choice, then (laughs) um, it may be that you don't have to suffer that, you know, like, oh, well, and move on. Um, I think so many times that students feel very, it's very visible, you know, that Mm -hmm. there's friends their family members are asking like, so where'd you get into college? And, you know, that denial is outweighing the other admits that they got. Yeah, I think that's true. And, I, you know, I think on that front and on that level, it can be in some people's minds a little bit embarrassing initially that maybe you weren't admitted to the place you wanted to be. Or like you said, even if it was the 10th, 11th, whatever, if choice on your list, you know, again, when you put it in a perspective, you start to see, And we talked about this a little bit with the most recent episode we did, uh, the second in the series that, you know, sometimes things work out for a reason, right? I mean, maybe you didn't get accepted to a place because, you know, ultimately you were a better fit somewhere else and that's going to help shape your future in the best way possible. So I think when you take kind of a bird's eye perspective on it, especially once you get a little bit removed from the initial shock of not having gotten into where you thought you would get into, it it tends to work out. Absolutely. And so I want to go into... Oh boy. What if you're denied from your dream school? Okay. Um, personally, I didn't have this because 
in in my in my day so old <laughs> in my day like you applied to like one or two schools i didn't i never applied i never thought i would apply to more than one or two schools and i i believe and i don't remember but i believe i applied to like three schools and i'm i think i got denied to one but it was not my number one choice and my number one choice, I got admitted. And I was like, well, I'm done. I don't care. Whatever yeah. else comes through. I don't know. You know, I'm thinking back to when I was in high school many, many years ago. <laughs> I graduated high school in 2000. So this, you know, puts you're it younger than I am, <laughs> Dr. Flowers, whatever. I, you know, I think what you're saying that completely rings true. Most people I knew applied to maybe two colleges back then. Um, I applied to one. Uh, so not to get too deep into it, but my mom went to East Carolina. I had a lot of family that went there. That's the only place I wanted to apply to. I applied. I got in. I, but thinking back on it, I can remember my mom also wanted me to apply to NC State, and I just didn't, you know, <laughs> and I had taken the SAT initially, and I did okay on it. Not great. Uh, for anybody who's got test-taking apprehension, that's just sort of my my two cents. It can be a little bit scary, and I didn't do – I did okay with it. I was scheduled to take it again. And then after I got into ECU, I was like, well, I'm just not going to take it again. I remember my mom being so mad at me, like, oh, you, you need to take it again. You can do better. Reapply somewhere else. And I was like, no, no. So, again, you know, it used to not be the norm that you would apply to tons and tons of places. So I don't really have that denial experience either. But I'm sure had I applied to five, six, seven, eight places, I would not have gotten into all of them. I mean, that would have been a fact. So, well, and I think that when you do what we do with admissions, you do kind of suffer with the student. You know, I, I, I've been there where students didn't get into their dream school. And I've been on the opposite side of the desk where I've denied them <laughs> from their dream school. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it was not a pretty picture, but um, denials can be blessings in disguise. Like we talked about, you know, it may not be the right fit for you. It may not be the right fit academically, or if you really delve deep, it might not be the right fit socially for you. Mm -hmm. yeah, and totally. so if you get denied from your dream school, perhaps it's not your dream school. So that's the first kind of bit of advice. But the second thing is, and you've heard me say this, Chris, but denials are a no for now. Okay. Yes. They are a no for now. They're temporary. And a lot of people think that they're permanent, but what they, what I mean by that is you can always work to get into the colleges of your choice by transferring, because as we know, it is less competitive to get into colleges as a transfer student. Yes. And I can say as someone who worked very recently as an admissions counselor, I fielded phone calls from students a lot who you know, maybe weren't able to get in initially, but they would call to ask questions about, you know, I, I can see that I wasn't accepted. I just want to know what do I need to do to get there? You know, what would that path look like? Um, and I've had some really in-depth and great conversations with students to talk about that very thing. You know, if you look at your local community college, wherever you're at, in-state, out-of-state, wherever, and look at the different options you've got for genetic classes, two-year degrees, all that kind of stuff, that is a totally valid and worthwhile path to take to get back here. And so, I've even spoken with students on the other end of that who are just finishing up their community college pass after having not gotten in and now sort of reapplying and getting there. So it's something that totally happens all the time. And people you know, should know that that is a, a valid course to take. So you're bringing me into this 
a whole topic of what not to do when you're denied, because (laughs) you just gave me a wonderful example of what to do. And we're going to go into that in just one second, but what not to do. So you, you and I have been on the opposite side of that desk. So let's talk about it. Do not call the admissions office to complain or ask to appeal the decision. Now, I know that that sounds crazy because in our society today, if you don't get a good meal, you're asking to speak to the manager, right? You know, who can I talk to (laughs) that is your director of admissions? I'm going to get you in trouble. I mean, I have had the most horrific conversations based on denials. And did it change the decision? Absolutely not. Yeah. And and one thing that I think is helpful to do also is if you receive a denial letter or notification, just process it for a couple of days before you get into sort of a knee jerk reaction type of situation and immediately pick up the phone, call the admissions office, get some poor representative on the phone that you're ready to give an earful to. That's just not a helpful situation for anybody. In my experience, if you take a little bit of time just to think through what maybe could have caused the denial, And formulate some questions, right? Get some questions together for when you call so you're not just sort of, you know, being angry into the phone, then it's going to have a much better outcome in the long run. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when we talk about soft skills, we talk about communication and we talk about discourse and we talk about, you know, really realizing that the person on the other end of the phone has probably gotten about 10 to 100 calls very similar to what you are throwing on them. And maybe it's that really, same day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's really not fair to sort of dump your emotional baggage on those people. Just yeah. a little public service announcement because I was one of those people. Right. And and just to elaborate on that even a little bit more, I mean, every college admissions office probably handles this a little bit differently. But in my experience, people would take turns on the phone. And so you're going to have calls from all kinds of students, parents about all kinds of situations. And depending on when you're, when you're catching somebody on the phone, they could be in a good place. They could not be in a good place and it could result in a bad conversation. So just as you're saying, and as Elizabeth has said, just be aware of the fact that they are people, you know, they've got emotions just like anybody else. Nobody likes to deny somebody and nobody likes to be denied. It's just sometimes a business decision potentially. And so you just kind of have to work through understanding that and trying to be as professional and courteous as you can be when you get into those conversations. Absolutely. And, I, you know, we've worked at colleges for a long time. And what happens is if you, I was on the appeals committee uh, several times And the only time that an appeal was actually, that a decision was actually reversed was when the college made a mistake, whether it's, it's um, a human error, whether it's, you know, technological error, you know, whatever. Um, And that is well-documented and you have to provide a lot of evidence to that fact. So um, it's very rare. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's I would 100% concur on that. I mean, I and again, I I don't know that I've ever seen a reversal on that. So yeah. it doesn't happen often, and it seems like it's one of those things that maybe crops up, like you said, if the college has made some kind of mistake. But I have not seen it happen. So just yeah. something to think about. Yeah, I've seen it very rarely. Um, so 
we are getting into what you should do when you're denied. And you said it so eloquently that, you know, inquire. It's not that you can't talk to the admissions office, right? Absolutely inquire about what you can do next. What is the next step? If I'm denied right now, what would make me admissible? And it's more often than not transferring uh, after a year. That's generally speaking, like 30 semester hours of credit and accreditation is very, very important. So if you, and I'm going to get into the weeds here, but this is an important point. (laughs) So if you go to another school to work on being a transfer student at your dream school, what you need to make sure is that those credits will be transferable. And more often than not, it's it's a really good option to go to your local community college. More often than not. Yeah. Uh, and just and just to add on to that, the accreditation piece, make sure the school you're going to is accredited. Yes. Right. Because that that's a whole nother can of worms. But when we say that, we're talking about regional accreditation. So if you're in our area, the Charlotte area, you're looking at what we call SACS, COC, which is a Southern accreditation of something, something, something. I can't yeah. remember the exact <laughs> abbreviation, but it's, there's not as many of them uh, maybe as there used to be. But there are some predatory, predatory post-secondary institutions out there. And so you just want to be sure. But as Elizabeth is saying, community colleges, I think, are often the safest bet, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, there's Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. There's New England Association of Colleges and Schools, New York Association. So, I mean, wherever you are, Middle States Association, which is all the Midwest, um, Western Association of Colleges and Schools. These are the ones that have been vetted, right? And they have been um, assured that the quality of your education is there. And we talk about for-profit schools. And there are for-profit organizations. Most nonprofit colleges are accredited. Most for-profit are not. So, you know, we have to keep in mind these things um, because I've seen students go and get their bachelor's degree from a non-accredited institution and we took absolutely none of their credits they had to start all over and they were upwards of a hundred thousand or more in debt yeah and i've seen i mean obviously with no specifics in the higher education world i've seen people trying to go uh, out for different positions you know career positions and their degrees are coming from not accredited institutions and I don't want to say they're worthless because, you know, obviously there are skills that you can learn, you know, in any environment, but they didn't help them at all when it came to to that, right, to the employment side of things. So it can be tricky and some places can look super professional and you think they're going to work out for you in the long run, but you just really have to be diligent in kind of researching their background a little bit to make sure they've got the accreditation that works. Absolutely. And if you need help with that, we can help you with that. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We want to make sure you're on the (laughs) right track. So at some colleges, what I find in, in the vein of what you should do when you're denied, at some colleges, they really want you to inquire because it is a form of demonstrated interest for transferring. And quite interestingly, I'm working with a student that is a transfer student right now that wants to transfer. 
And I'm working with my contact at this very large institution. He is the uh, vice president for enrollment management. And what he said to me was, I saw he applied previously. Mm -hmm. uh, and does he still want to go into that same major? Very interesting. You know, so it's, it's, it's showing I, I liked you enough to apply to you as a first year student. And now I'm coming back as a transfer. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, that that whole concept of demonstrated interest and being, you know, kind of consistent and persistent and standing out. I mean, it makes a difference in the long run, especially when you're kind of working through not the ideal situation with a denial, that that kind of thing. So absolutely. Yeah, I think that I, I thought that was really interesting. And what's most important is perspective and keeping that perspective. Uh, if you find that this denial is affecting your mental health in any way, that you need to consult a qualified therapist or professional to talk through your feelings. These are real feelings. I'm not trying to um, make light of what a denial can mean for people. Uh, sure. And yeah, I just heard uh, this week that there was a student that committed suicide uh, and at a school close to us and his roommate is a friend of the family and he had to come home. Um, and so it, this is real and, and it's, it's post COVID it, you know, uh, mental health is of paramount importance. Yeah. And it's just, as we mentioned earlier, it's just a stressful situation. So it's okay to articulate, you know, what you're feeling, what you're working through, what you're thinking through. Like it's okay to talk about that a hundred percent. Yeah, Absolutely. And okay, worst case scenario, here we go. You oh, know, gosh. here here I am. Here I am talking about like preserve your mental health and then I'm going to tell you worst case scenario, you get denied from your entire list. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. But yeah. if you do, what what do we do, Chris? What do you think? What what well, should we do? I think again, I think we take a step back as a as a collective, right? So I'm I'm talking about, you know, obviously if you're working with EWC, but your family, right? Your family and your friends, you kind of take a deep breath and you just sort of think through, okay, I was not able to get admittance into any of these institutions. What would my next step look like? And I think we kind of go back to some of the things we just talked about, right? Again, we've kind of beat this drum a good bit, I think, in this series and a couple of episodes, but community college, it, it really is a great way to kind of take a breath, collect yourself. Even if you're there just for, let's say, one academic year, it helps you kind of get your footing a little bit better. It gives you a little bit of distance from the whole process to think through also whether or not your intended program of study, which may have caused you to apply somewhere, is still something you still want to do. Again, it gives you sort of a a moment to take a breath and think about, okay, what am I going to do? But while you're doing that, you're also collecting credits, right? General education credits, that kind of thing, which better prepares you to reapply to some of these institutions. And again, that transfer route really is a valid path to take. And I think that's one of the things to, to think about, first of all. Obviously, Chris and I are cheerleaders for the community college system yes. because we have taught there for years and years. But I do have clients that say, I'm not interested in community college at all. And uh, whatever anybody wants to do is fine. What we do in that case is we look at the acceptance rates for state supported institutions as well as private institutions. So yep. maybe you want to go to a school that is experiencing low enrollment 
And if that's the case, you're probably going to be admitted. And, and then in that sense, you can also get the credits at a four-year college or university. And so I think what it all sums up, if I've never seen anybody get denied from their entire list after working with us, after working with us, we, we really look at a, a blend of reach possible and likelies. So I, I never see that with our students, but if you're just picking on your own and maybe that you need to manage some expectations, maybe you need some expert advice, why we're here to help you because we want to be sure that you're in the right place and that you have the right fit. Yeah. And I, you really, that's exactly what I was going to say was, you know, if you're working with us, we're using a number of metrics to try and help make the most informed decision possible. So the odds are that, you know, you're applying to places after having curated a list with our team that is going to be a good fit for you in a number of ways. So I just think it would be highly unlikely given the the number of colleges we would help you apply to that you wouldn't get into any of them. But should that happen, we're here to help and we can navigate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So denials are a no for now. A no right. for now. A, I love that. <laughs> a no for now. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So on that note, I just want to thank Chris for being in this episode. And, you know, he is just a wonderful addition to the EWC team. And so I just enjoy talking to him about these decisions and having a partner in the this role. So thank you very much. I'm happy to, to join the conversation, happy to be a part of the team. And again, we're here to help however we can. Yes. Well, we'll see you next time at the club. Thank you for listening to the Admissions Club podcast. Be sure to check out our Admissions Club playlist on Spotify for all of those Gen X vibes. If you're looking for one-on-one coaching on the college admissions process, my company EWC Consulting can help. Email me at elizabeth at ncewc.com, check out our website at ncewc.com, or follow us on Facebook at ncewc. All of those links are in the show notes. Invite your friends to join the club. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Can't wait to see you in our next episode.